Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives in the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, Real Lifers. Hope you're all doing well and had a good week. I am just trying to keep up with the amount of content we are getting. I mean, Vanderpump Rules just started. I feel like there is something on almost every night, and I am so, so grateful for all of the incredible content we're getting from Bravo, but feel like I'm unable to just capture everything in the way that I normally do. So instead of going more in depth. I'm just trying to have some conversations throughout the podcast about the various shows that are on, and we'll still primarily focus on Housewives, although in a couple weeks, I am going to do a deep dive into Vanderpump Rules. I did enjoy the premiere this week. It was different. I'm still trying to wrap my head around what the show is supposed to be, after kind of all of the changes and variations that they have gone through, but I like it. And what I'm most interested in actually is the tension between Tom Sandoval and Katie Maloney Schwartz that has always been there, but because there has been so many different members of the cast and so many complex relationship dynamics and friendship dynamics, they never really got into that one. And I, I'm interested to see how it plays out. Of course, I have been following all of the back and forth between Mia and Escala. I mean, <laughs> just so much nonsense coming from Mia. And I like her. I really do. But she is just throwing shade Escala's way and Candace's way, and they retaliate, and then she seems to be upset with them for retaliating. And this week, Mia blamed a lot of what had been going on on a social media manager and said that she's looking for a new one. But the post that she put on Instagram and then also copied to Twitter was written in white on a very light gray background. So it was almost impossible to read. And it's just funny that it came this week when we saw Jen Shaw blame her social media manager for liking all of those nasty tweets about Brooks Marks. So I wonder how often we're going to see this excuse. Definitely an interesting pattern of behavior from Housewives. One other thing I wanted to point out on The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City this week that I really liked is watching Heather's conversation with her three daughters about religion and how Heather is not part of the Mormon church anymore, really. And she wanted to know what her daughter's views were on that and whether or not they ever plan to go back to church. And her oldest does not have plans to go back to the Mormon church. But the other two, I think, are are thinking of it. And one of them even said she did want to go back to church, but felt like it was too late. And Heather said, no, I'll go with you. I'll support you so you don't have to do anything alone. And I thought that was so beautiful and such a wonderful way to parent, especially as someone who has left a religion that they want to make sure that their children are able to make the decision for themselves and felt like it was in stark contrast to 
Julia Hart, and we saw on My Unorthodox Life. It's just very two very distinct approaches, and I appreciate Heather's approach of no judgment. Her children are able to make decisions for themselves, and she will support them in whatever they do. And I thought it was really beautiful. On Beverly Hills this week, I thought it was one of my favorite episodes of the season. I really enjoy when the women are having fun, and not just because Erica seems to be on something. <laughs> um, even when, you know, the scene that she wasn't there when they all were wine tasting in Temecula, it looked like such a good time. And I'm loving, I'm loving the dynamic between these women. I feel like if they brought back the entire same cast, I would be happy. Maybe, maybe they could leave Lisa Rinna out and bring someone else in. But overall, I just thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Another thing I've really enjoyed this past week was listening to Candace's album, Deep Space. It's really good, guys. And it's good in a, music way, not in just like a housewives music way. And I'm pleasantly surprised with how much I enjoyed it, truly. All right, before I get into this week's guest, just wanted to shout out that I'm going to be on the show Bold Black and Addicted to Bravo with Namade, who is at That African Butterfly on Instagram. There is a whole group of us who were on her show to talk about the Vanderpump Rules premiere. It is so funny, and that's supposed to come out Monday, so definitely take a listen. And I'm also going to be on the It's All Happening podcast with Amanda this coming week. Okay, I am so excited about this week's guest. Her name is Ashley. You all know her from the Instagram handle at Baby Ben Cohen. She is also a healthcare worker. So I ask her a bit about what that's been like during the pandemic, ways that she's bonded with some of her patients through Bravo. And we just had a great conversation. I know you guys will enjoy it. As always, be sure to follow me on social media at Mandy Slutsker on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram. And if you enjoy the show, go to Apple Podcasts and give it a five-star rating and write a review. I love hearing from you all. If you don't like the show or you have some constructive feedback, my DMs are always open. I encourage you to reach out. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and come back with Ashley at Baby Ben Cohen. Knock that fire down, 19. Copy, Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hi, everyone. I am here with Ashley, who runs the Instagram handle at Baby Ben Cohen. You guys all know her from the memes that she posts, uh, that she posts, <laughs> and all of the, you know, fun info that she shares on Instagram. And she also is a healthcare worker. So I am here to thank her for her service, especially throughout the pandemic, and to chat all things Bravo. How's it going, Ashley? 
It's going well. I'm just coming off a night shift, but otherwise, I'm excited to talk Bravo. That's the perfect way to start your day, right? Totally. After a night shift, do you find yourself like needing something to kind of calm down before you actually can take a nap or sleep for a period of time? Like, do you watch Bravo at at those hours, like coming off a night shift? Um, usually when I come home from the hospital, I am in, I take a shower and I hit my bed and I'm probably asleep in 10 minutes. But, um, if I can't fall asleep, my go-to is I watch old school on New Jersey episodes that really is calming right before bed. Um, and then usually when I'm coming off my night shifts, I, that's usually my time to like really catch up on Bravo because, during the week when I'm at work, I usually am missing all the premieres. So, of course, I see all the other Bravo Instagram accounts sharing all this new drama and information. And I feel a little bit of FOMO during the week. So when I'm coming off my night shifts, I really I catch up so I can really be in the know with all of the latest Bravo gossip and drama. And what kind of got you into creating this Instagram handle? Like what was the inspiration behind it? A friend from college and I started it during BravoCon because we both were really upset that we couldn't be at BravoCon. Um, still have regrets about that. But basically, we created the baby Ben Cohen just to follow all the Bravo labs like during BravoCon because we didn't want our personal Instagram accounts, like our followers, like, you know, our ratios to be really off because we wanted to follow like every single Bravo lab, you know, that was at BravoCon. So we initially started it kind of as that and then we kind of were thinking i don't know if you've ever seen the instagram um nori's black book it's like a parody account for northwest kim kardashian's daughter (laughs) basically this instagram it's like someone uh basically pretends to be northwest and they just say like the funniest thing so we at first were like should we kind of make this similar to that but like be baby ben cohen and kind of like say things about the housewives because we both loved housewives and we just felt like we didn't have a way to like really talk about it because a lot of our friends just weren't as religious watchers as us but then it didn't really take off and like I was in grad school at the time and it just was too much work but then during COVID of course um there was so much downtime and I was re-watching so many Bravo shows just to pass time and I wanted like I wanted people to talk with about this because my fiance of course loves Bravo but a lot of my close friends aren't as they they will watch for me so they're we can chat about it but I really was like wanting to like talk about you know old episodes of Housewives and you know because that's all I was really doing during quarantine um so that was originally it's kind of how I re-picked up the account I just started posting um, and weirdly enough, Vicki Gunvalson followed me like very early and would like like random things. And I she would sometimes comment on things that kind of got people interacting. But yeah, it just has kind of skyrocketed in the past year, which is pretty nuts to think about. That's so funny. Do you think there was part of her that thought that this was Andy Cohn's Instagram handle like for his son? Yeah, um, you'd be surprised. <laughs> you'd be surprised of a how many just people in general will message me thinking it's Andy or actually Ben Cohen, who's like I think two, so that's yeah. probably possible. <laughs> um, and also, uh, low key, a couple of Bravo Labs, I think as well, probably think it's run by Andy. But I mean, the page is all memes, and I in my bio, I I you know I wrote like 
fan account. So, cause at first I was like, maybe people aren't really getting this. And I didn't want to come across as like trying to impersonate, you know, Andy Cohen's son, Andy is like you know, my everything, but I, it's just really shocking. Just some of the messages. And like I said, even from some Bravo labs where I'm like, this is not Andy um, at all. So I usually just like redirect them to his page. I'm like, if you actually want to talk with him, this is where you can find Andy Cohen. Um, <laughs> so funny that people just like don't pay attention there's so many things on twitter like that you know jordan ross myers runs the don gunvalson twitter account and there have been so many times where people i mean most recently bethany franco got in a fight with him thinking it was vicky's ex-husband just (laughs) but like ben cohen is not old enough to have an instagram account like of course it's not him yeah the messages are they're funny i i just wonder sometimes what's going through people's heads but i mean people are i feel like generally people that message me i'll just tell them and they're like oh okay i'll go message andy instead i'm like okay good luck (laughs) so you have been working like at a hospital throughout the pandemic like tell us how that's been and just whatever you're willing to share about your job yeah, so the start of the pandemic, I actually was still in grad school. So I was like kind of in and out of the hospital for clinical rotations, but I started working full time last fall. So I'm a nurse practitioner. Um, I work with oncology patients, so a very special population. I kind of feel like working in the pandemic has been a lot of waves of just up and down. You know, of course in the fall and winter, we were kind of getting really excited about the vaccine coming out. And then after the holidays, there was all these increased hospitalizations for COVID patients. So kind of we went down again. And then the fall, or sorry, the spring was kind of a more hopeful time again, because the general public was being offered the vaccines, like our friends and family out of healthcare. And then the summer was really, the beginning of the summer was really when I felt like we could see the light at the end of the tunnel, because numbers were dropping. My hospital closed its COVID unit and, you know, uh, admission numbers with COVID patients went way down. So I had felt really hopeful at the beginning of the summer. But then of course, with the Delta variant, it's just been really challenging because now we're kind of entering in that valley again of just like, when is this going to end? And then especially like you have, like I think in the Bravo sphere, like you have some people who really use their platform to promote like evidence-based information and, you know, educating people on their options. And then you have some people and we probably, I won't even speak their names, but we of course know that they are like not educated to speak on the topic and spread misinformation. So I think one of the most challenging parts is I think a lot of us joke that, you know, people were cheering for healthcare workers at the beginning of last year. And now it sort of feels like people are a little bit more against us, which is really challenging. Um, But I think at the end of the day, you know, all of us in the hospital were there to do one job. And um, I think that's what kind of keeps us going. And, you know, we've made, we took an oath when we, you know, started these jobs that we would do whatever it takes to take care of patients, regardless of beliefs, regardless of what, you know, what you support, what you don't support. So I think that's what kind of keeps us going kind of in these darker times that we're in right now. Oh, wow. That's just uh, so many peaks and valleys, just like what you said. We've all been on a roller coaster. But do you find that 
I know a lot of people I talk to who watch Bravo and who've gotten like really into it, you know, with fan accounts usually started during a period of their life that was tough. Do you ever um, like do you ever bond with your cancer patients over Bravo or does it just never come up? (laughs) It's so funny. So I actually I have a phone case that I bought from a really awesome Bravo account at at Theron Opal and it's the mugshots of Luann, Leah, Sonia and Tinsley on the back of it. Definitely a good conversation starter. Sometimes people have no idea who they are, but I mean, I, I always have my phone up, like checking stuff, you know, when I'm at work, um, like labs or pages or whatever. And a couple of times people have been like, well, first they'll ask, are those your friends? And I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm like, kind of, they're pretty much my friends. Um, but I, sometimes I've had a couple of patients who were like, are those the housewives of New York city? And I'm like, here's my in, like, let's go. So I, I think I talked um, to Taria about this on her podcast too, but I, when I was a nursing student, I was helping someone like labor when they were having their baby. And she was like, I just need to talk about anything other than this right now. And we were like, okay, what, what do you, what do you like? And what, what do you, what's like your hobbies? What do you, what do you like to do when you're not here? And she was like, I am a housewives fanatic. And I was like, this is my time to shine. And we literally <laughs> talked about housewives until she pushed the baby out. And I was like, I think we should give the baby like a housewives name, like Sonia, Luann, Kyle. <laughs> um, so those are really funny times. I don't ever really, of course, like share that I have the account or anything, but it's definitely a nice topic of conversation, um, of course, for these patients too, just to kind of get their minds off of everything. That is so funny. And is there any Bravo lead that you've interacted with on your page that has just been really funny? Like, have you had a good or positive or humorous interaction? I've honestly, I feel like all of the Bravo loves that I've interacted with have been really positive. I think I've messaged a couple of times with Lisa Renna, who like I'm an unapologetic Lisa Renna fan. She is funny. She is very shady, but in a very funny way. Um, one of the Bravo loves that I've DM more consistently with was Tiffany Moon. Of course, she's a doctor and we've kind of bonded over some of the healthcare stuff kind of in these recent times and she's so well a she's very responsive very personable very easy to talk with and just so i don't know she's just such a breath of fresh air on bravo i'm really sad that we only got one season of her so i'm hoping we see her again but those are probably the two that come to mind yeah those are the two i just like love lisa renna so if i see a you know a notification from her i'm like oh my gosh here we go um (laughs) i'm sure she appreciates the support she hasn't had a very good last few seasons (laughs) i know and honestly it's like the one hill that i will continue to stand on like is she perfect no but like I don't know. I just think she's such a good housewife and I love her so much. Yeah, she used to be one of my favorites, but I'm starting to feel like maybe she doesn't vibe with the cast the way I had seen her in the past. I could see that. There's a little bit of a meaner edge that before used to just be sort of messy and fun. And it seemed to sort of cross some sort of... I don't know, and for me, but she was no, like one I, I of my top housewives. I love any housewife that laughs at themselves during confessionals. That's one of my favorite things. <laughs> I agree. So big news in Bravo this week. 
Cynthia and Portia are leaving Atlanta. What do you think is going to come of the next season? And what would your ideal cast makeup be? Mm, That's a great question. I think there's this transition overall in Bravo happening right now. They're kind of doing away with some of the like OGs or housewives that have been on for like longer periods of time to bring in like a fresher cast, which I think is amazing. I mean, I think that's totally necessary, but like at the same time, it kind of takes a little piece of my heart away. Cause I'm like for Cynthia and Portia, we've watched them for so long and just like kind of seeing the growth from their early seasons is just so interesting. I think in terms of Cynthia, I think it was, I think it was time to go for her. I think she's been a great housewife and I mean, she's literally stunning. She's so like fun to look at just because her skin is perfect. She looks like she hasn't aged like in 30 years. She's incredible. I just felt like her storylines consistently just like weren't really there for me. And I think personally, like the wedding, like her wedding during the middle of the pandemic was something that like we talked about as for me as a healthcare worker was just kind of, it was hard to watch as even as a fan of Bravo. Like I love watching Bravo. I kind of like when there's these COVID seasons and we don't kind of like, we kind of don't see all the COVID stuff. It's a good escape, but her wedding to me was like a little distasteful, just like in the setting of how bad COVID was at that time. So I kind of had a bad taste in my mouth. Um, with her after the most recent season but like I love watching her family um, and just like every and like kind of her meeting Mike and everything but I kind of felt like it was her time to go but she was a great housewife don't get me wrong and then Portia I mean I, I kind of saw that coming yeah but I'm like devastated I think Portia is an incredible housewife and especially again talking about the growth like she like where she was um you know married to Cordell to like where she is now and now she's like living this like Nigerian princess life and I kind of want to see more about it like I don't know if you saw her recent stories but her and Simon were like in Nigeria and I felt like they were basically being treated like royalty and I was like I want to like I want to see all this um so I'm pretty sad that she won't be a part of Housewives but it sounds like she's still going to be on Bravo at some capacity yeah. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm bummed about both of them leaving because I mean, they're familiar faces and I, I definitely am someone who likes a familiar face on a Bravo show. Me too. I think Portia will come back because Andy was like, leave the door open or he made some sort of comment around her leaving that made it seem like maybe this actually was her decision because if I were her, right, and I'm in this new relationship with this guy who used to be married to a coworker of mine, that would be the focus of the season. And you couldn't go through a season without not just acknowledging it, but having it be discussed in detail. And I think she's probably trying to protect the relationship and is like, I don't want this to be the focus. And so if she leaves for a year or two, she can come back and it won't be the focus anymore. So it's very smart on her part. And, you know, I've been told by people who've worked with her that she's just very, very smart and very calculating. And that's not a bad thing, right? And Mm -hmm. so... I think that's what is going on in her head, but could be wrong. I I totally agree, but I definitely, I wanted to know, I wanted to see that play out on camera between, like I wanted to kind of see 
what the castmates were thinking. And I'm, I'm sure we'll get some of that, but I just kind of wish we had, you know, her input, but I totally agree. I think, I think she's incredibly intelligent and maybe she doesn't play, she doesn't like come off that way. Cause I think, like you said, I think she is calculated, not in a bad way. I just think she, she's a very smart girl for sure. And I think, like you said, she's just protecting herself and her family, which like, I, I don't blame her. She's really shown her entire life on Bravo, like through, you know, divorce and, you know, everything else in between. So, but back to your other question, like my ideal Atlanta um, cast, it's a great question too. I love, I like candy because I like on housewives when there's, you know, a housewife that is like a star outside of the show mm-hmm. and she is so incredibly famous. And I just love that. And I think she's really shady and really funny. Um, and I love like watching her family as well. So I, I would keep candy. I really, I, I know Phaedra is very sketchy and like what she did, like all those lies that she made up on that reunion, like regarding, you know, Portia and candy really questionable however she was such a good housewife and she was so fun (laughs) to watch like when i sometimes when old atlanta's on and i see like her and apollo doing like the pickle like baby like pregnancy shoot i'm like we need this again she also is so intelligent but like just a great housewife so i feel like she's kind of an all-around like the package that we need um in a housewife and i would be curious to see how her and candy like interact so i would love for miss phaedra to come back and i'm like i'm happy that she's on the newest like um all-star girl trip whatever they're calling this new spinoff at dorinda's house because i'm like maybe this is like her they're just like getting her back in the door a little bit um and then it sounds like sheree is probably coming back i love sheree Again, very chaotic energy, the bone collector herself. So I cannot wait for her to come back in. And then I have like a love-hate relationship with Kenya Moore. I think we talked about kind of like, you know, you felt like Brenna's kind of getting more like not shady, but like just kind of mean. And I feel like Kenya really teeters on that line of she does. She is very shady and very funny, but then kind of like takes it a little bit too far where it's like almost uncomfortable to watch because I feel like hurt people hurt people. And she's definitely hurt and has had like, you know, some really sad situations. And, but sometimes I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're saying this, you're doing this. Um, but also it's so fun to watch. So I kind of go back and forth. She's, she's meant for TV. She's definitely meant for TV. So her, and like between Kenya, Sheree, Phaedra I'm like that is just a mess waiting to happen um they're all very strong personalities and then I'm trying to think who else I think Nini I I think she's a great housewife but I kind of think she's like running her course on the show I think you know I think who else yeah I just don't think they would ever hire her again after what she said about the network I don't either I think she kind of uh nailed like her coffin with that one and then honestly like this past season i didn't mind drew i thought she was fine i mean i didn't love her but i i didn't have any issues with her um so like maybe giving her another shot but those are like the big people i really i'm really think i just ma- basically have wanted sheree and phaedra back for forever so those are my two people that i really am hoping will join the cast again well we'll see what happens um 
before we get into Potomac, which is what I really want to spend more time on, any thoughts on the Vanderpump Rules premiere? And did it feel as good as it used to feel before season eight when <laughs> when everything went to shit? It's so I, I watched a little bit of it um, this week before I was like getting ready for work. And it's so interesting because Bravo has been running. I feel like this week they've been running a lot of old school Vanderpump rule marathons. And I think we, when I watch the old school episodes, it just brings back a feeling, you know, a feeling Deep of just down. like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm like, I feel at home. Like, I just want to reminisce on this, you know, when they're sitting in the alley screaming at each other. So I've been watching all the old episodes and I was like, oh my gosh, I really miss Vanderpump Rules more than I thought. And then I watched the new episode. I thought it was, I thought it was a good premiere, but it just doesn't hit the same way anymore. Yeah. I think some of it has to do with like their age and maturity level. Not saying that they are fully mature, but there is something different about them and I think we've kind of watched them grow together and that's been nice but it is a different kind of show now I loved it back when it was like scrappy and they lived in these shitty apartments and they never thought about their life choices ever you know and now they have to think about things because a few of them have children multiple of them are married or engaged you know you just behave a little bit differently when you get to that stage of life so yeah I felt like last season I really didn't I really didn't like any of the new cast members I I just didn't really feel like they all meshed well and also like you mentioned I miss their shitty apartments like when they all moved into these like cookie cutter homes that they basically all look the same on the outside I was like no doesn't it's not working for me like this I mean, like you said, it's good for them. They're growing up and, you know, finding success. But it's not the same show. And I feel like that's the point of Vanderpump Rules or like these young servers, dramatic friend group kind of scrapping their way through L.A. And now, you know, of course, they're successful because of the show, which is amazing. But I don't I don't need to see you sitting in like this this mansion. That's like what I'll watch Housewives for. Um, I kind of feel like the whole premise of Vanderpump Rules is kind of gone just because they're older and I feel like maybe it's time to cut the cord but I'll still watch I'm not gonna yeah I'm not gonna lie and say that I won't no um, I, I was wondering that like what I feel that way but then when I saw the fight about with James and like the $10 charge of the splitting the plate and then when I saw Tom and Tom and watch what happens live it was the most like fun, hilarious, familiar feeling that I loved. So it's not the same, but it's definitely still entertaining for me. The 10, I, I rewinded that part between Max and James <laughs> I because I was, kind, I was kind of getting ready for work and I was like, are they, did they get in a fight over a $10 splitting fee? And I, I rewinded, I was like, I must have heard this incorrectly. And then I replayed it and I was like, oh my gosh. Like you guys are both semi like like famous from the show. You like a ten dollar you know charge from a plate. I'm like, That's and then so James funny. was like, he made some comedies like, I just want to enjoy my forty five dollar chicken parmesan or something. I was like, this is. <laughs> I was like, what am I watching? But yeah, I mean, I think I'm hopeful. I mean, we'll see what happens. I think last season though was so bad that this season's bound to be better. So. 
for sure. I loved seeing the fight between Sheena and Lala and like how things play out in the press because it's interesting to see like their view on it and what it meant like from their side experiencing all of this because we see things on Instagram and you know articles in Us Weekly and then to hear that Lala was getting these like terrible messages it's it's wild it's absolutely wild and it's a very and and like did Sheena really need to use her platform to call out Lala like you know they all have these various mediums to be able to fight through like public means like through you know the press or their podcasts and that's just an interesting thing that like they never had that before so for me, the fights that I'm most interested in usually aren't shown on Bravo because they're fighting about the show that they're on. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I wish that Bravo would just, you know, let the fourth wall down and let us see some of those fights. I agree. I totally agree. Okay. So heading over to Potomac, <laughs> I want to play the game uh, that Giselle came up with with you, reasonable or shady, <sighs> and I am going <laughs> to list a number of things, and you can tell me whether or not you think they're reasonable or shady, and why. Okay. All right. So, not talking about Mia because a lot of people had thoughts about what Mia was saying, but should Dorothy, Candace's mom, even be talking to Candace's friends, Mia, Karen, or the like? about Candace's husband, Chris. Mm, very shady. Um, I, just watching, she she was fishing. I felt like Dorothy was fishing for someone to say something poorly. I mean, when the Potomac editors are just incredible. I tweeted about it the other day. I was like, these people deserve any award for their editing skills. But she literally talked to, I think it was Karen, um, Robin, Mia like she talked to almost the entire cast like kind of talking poorly about Chris and obviously we don't see the entire conversation as like who started the conversation but it's kind of odd that all the conversations with each you know each housewife kind of went the same way so I feel like Dorothy was being very shady and I saw a post on Instagram it was like Mama Joyce walked so Dorothy could run or something like that and I was like that is very true um Dorothy is is very shady. Um, I can see where Candace kind of gets some of her shadiness from for sure. But I felt like that was wrong. I'm like, you're Candace's mom and that's your son-in-law. I don't think she should really be getting involved like that. But I definitely saw some similarities, you know, with Mama Joyce and Candy when she was concerned about Todd. So, For sure. Do you think it was reasonable or shady for Karen to bring the ladies her LaDame candle and home essential line after Wendy had said she was entering the candle business? A little bit of shady, but reasonable. I felt like in her confessionals, at least Karen was saying there's like enough, you know, the the candle industry, I guess, is like this multi-billion dollar industry. So I guess maybe I should get into it. Um, but basically I feel like she was saying, you know, there are different candles. There's room for both of us to be in this atmosphere, which I agree with. I don't think, you know, you can have a monopoly on that. The timing of it was definitely shady, but I don't think the overall development of this product is that shady. I think that's reasonable. 
But I think Karen's another kind of going back to what we said about Portia. I think Karen is a lot smarter than she leads on to be. And I think like maybe some of the things that she said in her confessionals, like are convenient because it doesn't make these actions look as shady. But when I first watched it, I, I would say it was reasonable. With like a little, a little shade. Yeah, yeah. I think it's reasonable to like, if you develop something to bring it to the other people that you work with, that you're friendly with. And, you know, if Wendy wanted to do that, she could have done that too. And she just isn't moving quick enough. And I don't think my hot take is, well, it's probably not a hot take, but I don't think she's actually serious about the candle industry or any of that. And it's the probably least authentic thing about her. So it's frustrating to watch her talk about it as if it's something she really cares about because it was something she cared about. She would figure out how to get it done, you know? Yeah. And I feel like last season she's so passionate, you know, about talking, you know, about how she's a professor and how she does all this like commentary work for different news outlets. And like, you can feel that passion that she has for that. And like you said, I feel like this is not as authentic. Um, It kind of seems like, it seems like more of just like a, or storyline, which I feel like is why I'm not really, you know, not really invested for her. But yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not feeling that. Okay, um, is it reasonable or shady for Mia? <laughs> I can't even get through this <laughs> to blame her social media manager for her nasty tweets about Escala. <laughs> okay. What? Okay, also, Jen on Salt Lake City also used this same excuse. Okay, like, come on. I could see if it was one tweet, but it's like a slew of tweets. Like, if it was one tweet and, like, your social media manager put this out, you say, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I just saw this tweet. It's a slew of tweets. You literally had multiple chances to, like, intervene or kind of announce, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. So I'm really not buying that. But I kind of have a soft spot for Mia. I kind of love her a little bit. Um, so, I mean, she also, like, the her, her and – I didn't really see all of the tweets b- between her and Escala. I, I saw some of them. Ultimately, I'm like, please stop bringing each other's moms into this. Like, so yeah. unrelated. Um, they're not on – they're not on – well, I guess Mia's mom is. But I don't know. I felt like – I didn't – I just felt like Escala and she, – she made one tweet that I saw – that was kind of like a low blow toward Mia's mom. And I feel like one of the things that I've enjoyed most about Mia is it's her first season and she is like really laying her family business out on the line and like discussing her mom's, you know, past issues with drugs and like kind of showing us this rebuilding of her relationship with her mom, which I feel like is a very intimate and deep storyline. So when they've made comments about her mom, I mean, I feel like that's really hurtful because her mom is really putting herself out there too. And I just feel like it's really disrespectful. So um, I, I, I think Mia saying it's her social media manager is shady. Like just take ownership, just be like, it was me. That's what I said. Um, I think like trying to backtrack and just like putting the blame on someone else is kind of, I don't know. It doesn't do it for me. Yeah. I mean, I think in Escala's defense, she was only responding to rude comments about her mother and her relationship with her mother and that her mom lives with them. And I just, you know, but it's still, yeah, it just still felt a little yucky. But it's so funny with the social media thing because it reminds me of like in, 
like in a workplace, the person at the top sets the tone. And if people underneath do things that are out of line with that tone, usually they are put back in line. So to say for especially Jen Shaw, where there has been like multiple likes of, you know, not nice tweets, that's the tone that she set. So even if it was somebody else, which I don't think it was, I agree. I she sets the tone. So you're responsible for what happens under your handle. You're responsible. And for, but she's such a gaslighter that she's like, what you saw, you didn't see. And that's just, <laughs> just absurd. But yeah, Mia blaming her social media manager was so funny because with these like first season housewives and Jenny was also like, oh, yeah, I have someone who runs my social media. What? Why? I have more people on Twitter than you do, at least when you started, <laughs> when you were filming this show. No one runs my social media. Like, right. did you think, you know, when you first started, is there like a starter pack for being a housewife? Do they tell you like, oh, you need to get someone to run your social, you need to have like a content creator, this, you know, or do they just go on the show and see what happens? Yeah, I think you you should try to get on your podcast, Mia's social media manager and Jen Shaw's social media manager so we can get to the bottom of this, if they even exist. Um, But yeah, I know, what is the Housewife Starter Pack? That's a good question. I feel like a lot of them run their social media. Yeah, how could you... I don't know. I'm sure they have people that help them with, you know, writing captions and getting Mm -hmm. pictures taken and things like that and editing the photos. But I don't know. I don't think I don't know. It's funny. I should ask. I know a lot of people who've run social media for like politicians. And so, again, if you like like a tweet that is really nasty, people will say, oh, Senator so-and-so liked this terrible tweet or retweeted this horrible thing and then it's you know they're responsible it's not the Mm -hmm. social media manager that you know although i think (laughs) a while ago there was someone who thought they were logged on to their personal twitter and they were logged on to ted cruz's twitter and they liked uh some like porn site or something and it became this like oh whole God. thing that is that's, that was, that's very funny that's <laughs> awesome. well and another thing too is even if you have a social media manager that's totally fine but that's your employee and like what you're saying you're responsible for that person so if they're doing something that that reflects on you ultimately so even if you do have a social media manager who's liking and doing all those things that's still your responsibility because it's your employee and it's your page. So I don't, I don't think it's a good argument at all. I 100% agree. Okay, this one I have some pretty strong feelings on, but want to hear what Ooh. you think. Do you think it's reasonable or shady that Mia was annoyed that there was no one at the music video shoot to coordinate people who attended? I, I thought that was shady. It's... I. I don't really know. I think it's shady because, like, what what were you expecting? You're you're a friend helping out Candace. I don't know. I I I mean, granted, should there have been someone there to like greet them? Yeah, of course. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like, what are your expectations for this anyway? You're not like in a Nicki Minaj or like Cardi B video. Like this is for <laughs> Candace. Like it's it's totally different. So I thought that was I thought that was shady. I I actually thought it was reasonable and I think I'm maybe you. <laughs> 
was like, she got there. How long was she waiting for Candace to show up? She just like was in a random parking lot. Lord knows how long she had to drive to get there. She wasn't told what to do, what to wear. Like, <laughs> I was like, who is running this ship? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can see that. Honestly, if it was me and I was, I hate waiting. So I would probably be like, that is so, that's shady as shit. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of like, what are your expectations? Right. Because it was this? just this like, I, silly I, thing. I, can see. I, can I thought see she, side. I thought she made sense. Um, okay. Final, final question. Is it reasonable or shady for Wendy to point out that Giselle doesn't have a man after Giselle goes after Eddie? Um, I I don't, um, part of me thinks it's a little reasonable because this, I think, I think Giselle is an amazing housewife. I think she's perfect for the show, but one of my biggest pet peeves with her is she deflects like no other. And she expects all of her castmates. And even when she was on Bravo's chat room, she expects everyone to dish everything about their lives open up, but she is the queen of deflection when it comes to her personal life. So there even was a confessional um, maybe this past week or the week before where her and Robin are doing their podcast. They talk, they were talking about cheating or whatever. And she basically said she wouldn't have wasted her time over the past couple of months. One of the producers asked her a question about this during the confessional. And she basically is like, Oh, I didn't mean that. I, and kind of deflects. She wouldn't get in farther yeah she wouldn't expand upon what she had said and i feel like she is the queen of doing that like she truly doesn't really own it in the words of my dearly serena um but she really expects all of her other castmates to own it and i feel like she dishes it like no other but she she really can't take it at all um so i think obviously you know wendy and eddie i i thought that whole thing you know the whole situation is really sad especially like the most recent episode, Eddie's talking about like, I opened up about my family and like, I sacrificed so much to be in this relationship. It's not something that I would just, you know, throw away and they have young kids, but I mean, of course you're opening your life up when you're on a reality show. But I mean, Eddie made such a good point. Like he's like, I opened up, I shared with you that I've literally sacrificed my entire relationship with my whole family for this marriage. So I think Wendy's just really hurt because yeah. And she's, and again, hurt people, hurt people. I think she is just deflecting her hurt feelings onto Giselle because Giselle is very reckless when she speaks, but then when other people are like that, it's not acceptable. So I think there's a lot of double standards with her. And that's my biggest issue with her as a housewife, because we never really get deep with Giselle. It's very surface level. She's also someone who's very smart, very calculated with protecting her image, which I, I mean, I get it. I mean, it's your life, but I just think I wish that if she's going to dish it that hard, she needs to be ready to accept it in return. So even though I think Wendy's comment is shady, I think it's reasonable in terms of what Giselle was saying about her. Yeah, I can see that for sure. I feel like it would be reasonable to say it maybe a couple of times or to point out, hey, like, who are you to be critiquing my marriage when you're not married? You know, and that's kind of silly though because like I, I don't know I don't think you need to be married to critique a marriage like you know what looking at Ashley Darby and and Michael like I'm not married and I'm like ooh, that I don't like that <laughs> you know yeah. but but at the same time I do feel like it's it's not necessarily shady to keep bringing it up but it is I think a really not nice thing to say because it's a 
assuming that Giselle's like worth and Wendy's worth is tied to having a husband. And if you don't have a man, then maybe there's something wrong with you. And I feel like it's less to Wendy and more to viewers. Like she's trying to share this. I mean, less to Giselle and more to the viewers that she's trying to like share this narrative that if you can't have a man or keep a man, then there's something wrong with you as a woman. And and that I'm not cool with. No, that's a, that's a really good, that's a good point for sure. And I totally agree with you on that. Um, I think sometimes, I think especially this season and I need sometimes in Potomac in general, they just hurl like really mean and they just, I feel like they just will sometimes hurl out comments just to get some sort of reaction. And it happens, it happens in all the franchises, but I've noticed it more this season. Like they're just like raw, um, Karen and Giselle, they just will hurl insults at one another. Because, I mean, they, <laughs> they both hurt you. Sometimes I sit there and I'm like, how, how do you how go you back from that? Each like, other, how, yeah. yeah. But no, truly. They're so good at doing that. And I feel oh like God, yeah. I'm a little nervous that Wendy is too hurt to like function as a housewife in the way that I want to see her function. And I don't know what the timeline is. Like if this rumor was brought up on camera and it's only been a few weeks and she's just needs time to digest it Mm -hmm. and to move forward. But the level of sort of contempt that I feel like she has for Giselle is making it not as fun to watch her because it's like she's shut down emotionally and we don't see anything from her other than seething anger. I agree. I definitely, I still like Wendy a lot, but I definitely mm-hmm, enjoyed. Wa- I enjoyed watching her more last season. It it feels like honestly two different people between season one and season two. I think season one we were getting to know her. She was sharing a lot. You know, she was putting her two cents in. But like, I totally agree with what you just said. I think a lot of her energy this season it's basically the candle and like her hate for Giselle. And there's like really nothing else going on. And I think she has so much more to offer as a housewife. Um, So I totally agree with you. I think it's just she's really focused in right now on Giselle. And it's just kind of taking away from the rest of the show. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's head over to Salt Lake City. I just want to get your thoughts on a few. Oh, you're wearing your diet Barlow sweatshirt. Love that. Thanks. (laughs) Oh, my God. Lisa is so hilarious and if you you because since you were working uh last night you should go back and watch the watch what happens live episode with vanessa bayer because she does another two minute scene where she plays both lisa barlow and whitney rose during one of the back and forth that they had during the reunion last year and it is incredible she is so good at mimicking their voices (laughs) Her videos are so good. They're so good. Okay, so we've seen this before, but it appears that Dewey and Jenny may have come on the show to get divorced. (laughs) I mean, are you getting that sense at all from them? Or do you just feel like there is some sort of general tension? I feel like in general, I didn't love how Jenny was introduced. I feel like they just really jumped into her story, which is like her history, which is very interesting. 
but I feel like you need to let the viewers kind of get to know someone before you share something very intimate because I feel like it's such an interesting story and amazing thing to like hear on a Bravo show but I'm like who is this person like you literally dumped all this on us like the first episode um but her husband I just I hadn't seen the full episode yet where they kind of talk about her having more kids I've just seen like clips on Instagram but like very cringeworthy I I also I mean he's not a doctor per se but he's like yeah (laughs) I was wondering what you thought as a as a nurse practitioner yeah he's not a doc I mean he's he's a healthcare provider Provider. but he's not a he's not a doctor um which is fine I mean chiropractors are amazing and they are healthcare providers but because I saw some people saying, like, oh, he's a doctor. How could he make these comments? And I was like, well, he's not like an OBGYN. He's a chiropractor. It's completely different. But just some of the comments that I heard just from clips, I mean, very uncomfortable to watch. I also feel like when you're new, I feel like viewers should – you have a clean slate with viewers. So people should, you know, be interested in you and like you. Like, for example, Wendy and Eddie, like, last season, I, I mean, I'm still – I think Eddie's, like, one of the cutest, like, sweetest ha- um, house husbands. But I don't know. I get really weird vibes from Jenny's husband. He just – I don't know. There was something about him just watching him that didn't seem authentic personally and just kind of gave me – not the creeps, but just, like, a, a – not like a warm and fuzzy feeling that I've had for like some other house husbands, you know. I 100% agree. It's almost like is he trying to use the camera to convince her of something? It's it feels like there's a lot of uns like even though they're sharing, it feels like there is a lot of things that are unspoken about what they're sharing. So she tells us that she's had nine miscarriages and three C-sections and she can't have another pregnancy and she can't have another childbirth. So, but then we're seeing him in front of the children pressure her. And then he was like, I think I have an answer, but they didn't go into what that answer was. You know, like surrogate. The whole thing was very bizarre. Well, then I, I don't think this has happened. I'm a, I'm like a tad behind on Salt Lake City. I think I'm one episode behind. But there's a preview. I think it was during the like um, the trailer where he's like, why don't we get a sister wife? Or, or he like makes some sort of comment oh, toward that. So yes. I feel – Okay. So, so I thought that his comment saying I think there's a solution like ultimately goes to that conversation. They're like outside and he's like, why don't we get a sister wife? Um, and I remember when that that little clip aired on the trailer, I was like, oh, my God. Like, Salt Lake City, obviously, is different, you know, type of lifestyle, different, you know, I feel like things are different there compared to other franchises. But when he said that, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is... <laughs> also, they is- came out saying that they're Catholic and that she converted to being Catholic to be with him. And there's nothing in Catholicism about, like, a sister wife. Like, that's so different than a surrogate. <laughs> Oh my god, a, a thousand percent. And like, uh, like from a medical standpoint, I mean, she's not wrong. Like having three, se- I used to work in OB and like three C sections. Like that is like you're that's a having a fourth point. or a fifth is like really just really dangerous. And so I kind of for her, I was thinking like, oh my gosh, like I can't imagine you know my partner wanting to pretend. I mean, granted, like he wants to have kids. I don't think he's ultimately saying, oh, I want you to. Put your life in danger. I think he just, you know, they're he wants more kids. 
But I think the avenues and like just the way that he had the conversation with her was like definitely uncomfortable to watch. And I'm curious to see how this like sister wife conversation plays out whenever that airs. Um, So I guess we'll see about that soon. And then thoughts on Meredith and her really sticking up for Brooks against Jen. Do you think that she's doing this because Brooks is truly upset or do you think there's something else going on there? Yeah, I think that's a good question too. So I kind of go back and forth with Meredith. I thought last season she really didn't, you know, deliver in the way that I would have hoped she would have. I think she's so interesting. She's like an amazing business has a lot going on. I felt like her storyline last season was not that authentic with her husband. And then just in terms of everything with Brooks, I I go back and forth because a, I mean, there's clear evidence that Jen, like we already talked about was liking consistently all these like really awful tweets about Brooks. Do I think Meredith has like the right to stick up for him? Yeah, that's her son. However, the same time Brooks is an adult and he definitely he is involved in the show. Like there's plenty of housewives, children who are not on camera. Like I think of like Sonia's daughter. She's ne- she's never been on one episode. There's other housewives, children who like really aren't as you know engaged in the show. I feel like he really has used the platform, which is totally fine. I mean, he's been on Watch What Happens Live. He's had his own confessionals. He's appeared multiple times on the show. So I kind of feel like you have to be ready to kind of take some of this especially if you're gonna if you're willing to kind of benefit from the show um i think meredith's responses though like when they when she came to the ice fishing thing and just was like guns blazing i mean i totally get her reaction that's your child but i felt like it was a little out of proportion and seemed a little forced almost it just it didn't seem as authentic to me i'm not sure why i feel like and maybe, again, that I'm the only one that sees this, I felt like she was trying to speak up on behalf of the entire LGBTQ community. Like that, f- for me, it felt like she was trying to explain to Jen and say, like, I need you to know, I need to know that you are not homophobic and that you actually do stand with this community. Because the tweets in question really had kind of a negative connotation around some around being gay in a way. And so, and then when she was saying, do you know what it must be like to be a 20-year-old child? Do you know what kind of dark place people can... And I was like, oh, she's not just talking about Brooks, I don't think. I think she's talking about anyone that is having their sexuality come into question and who hasn't been open and out, you know? So that's sort of where I thought she was coming from, but... No, and I totally agree. And that was the part... So I... Brooks, to be honest, in the first season kind of bothered me. I just, I don't know. I just didn't really connect with him as much as other. I feel like a lot of pages were like really obsessed with him. I didn't have a problem with him. I just wasn't like, oh my gosh, he's, you know, the best thing ever. Um, But when Meredith did make that comment, kind of what you just discussed about, you know, he hasn't openly stated what his like sexual preference or orientation or whatever, whatever it may be is. And you shouldn't make those assumptions for him. Totally totally agree with her on that point like yes he is on a public platform but he's also still a person and these are his you know these are his deep like this is who he is as a person and if he's not ready to share that I totally agree he is not 
he is not mandated to do that just being on a show. So that was a comment that Meredith made that honestly did give me a soft spot for, for Meredith and Brooks just because, I mean, you, you never know what people are saying to him on like Instagram or like in person. And like, I would hate to think, you know, that if, you know, he's not ready in whatever his sexual orientation or preference may be, it doesn't matter. He's still a person and he shouldn't be, you know, subjected to like having assumptions made about him. And like the, like you mentioned, the tweets that Jen was liking were like not okay. They were disgusting. They were distasteful. And I agree. You would, I agree with you in terms of like Meredith, like advocating for, you know, that community. I totally agree with. Um, because Jen should be held accountable. The things that she was liking um, are really questionable and, you know, kind of make me question her beliefs as an overall person as well. It was just wild to watch the back and forth and her say, oh, no, I haven't liked any of those tweets. And then she, you know, Meredith pulls it out, like, did you or did you not call Brooks a sissy bitch? <laughs> it's like, yeah. but, and she's like, no. And it's like, yes, Jen Shaw. It says Jennifer Shaw <laughs> liked it. And it's wild to see the other women. I guess they didn't want to get involved because that wasn't their fight. But how could you, even Heather is like, you're lying to me. I believe you wrote these things. So how are they always okay with her? I think a lot of them are just scared of her, of Jen. I just, I think a lot of people don't want to cross her because she goes really hard for people. And I think ultimately people are just intimidated by her, which I don't really, I mean, I could see why she's, she can be a lot for sure. But like you said, it's, it's literally clear as day. There's a tweet. Her account is linked to liking the tweet. And like we said, it wasn't a one-time thing. There's like a slew of these tweets that I think Meredith like kind of presented. So you're seeing a pattern of behavior. So you can't really deny that. Jen is just not taking accountability for, you know, her awful behavior. Totally. And well, this is a perfect transition. So speaking of being afraid of Jen Shaw, Uh, you know, Dorit almost alluded to on Beverly Hills that they're all basically afraid of Erica. She says, and I quote, you don't want to push Erica too far, but then you look like an idiot for not asking questions. Now, why would you not want to push her too far other than being afraid of the wrath that she will bring? I think it's the wrath of Erica. And then I personally think, I think most of the fear comes from retaliation from Tom he's a really powerful lawyer of course and I think a lot of them just fear potential you know pushback and like one of the episodes when they're at the dinner table at Kathy Hilton's house and Erica's like you need to stop talking basically and then she makes kind of the insinuation of like he is not dead and he can like he can basically prosecute you or kind of hold you accountable for your actions so I think part of it is because Erica obviously is a really strong personality and isn't afraid to like obviously put someone in their place. But I think part of it's also just like potential like legal, you know, litigation from Tom's end as well. But if he was, you know, kind of in the later stages of Alzheimer's or isn't able to take care of himself, how could he then launch 
any sort of legal like lawsuit against the like which I would consider and I think a judge would probably consider like a frivolous lawsuit for saying something on a reality show. I just it doesn't all add up to me. I honestly I have gone really back and forth about the Tom and Erica thing. Initially, I thought because I watched like the documentary, um, The Housewife and the Hustler, whatever it was called, which like honestly wasn't that great, didn't really give us anything new. I was like, we all of us Bravo content creators probably could have created a better uh, documentary with like our sleuthing <laughs> information. Yeah. But I personally initially thought there's no way Erica could know. He fooled the entire. He fooled a lot of people. I mean, some people obviously had an idea something was going on, but like the bar association never did anything. There's all these people that have law experience that never actively did anything or, you know, he wasn't stopped for how many years. So initially I was thinking, how could Erica, like, how could she know if all these other people didn't know? But again, going back to what we said about Portia and some of the other housewives, I think Erica is a lot smarter than she leads on. I think she's very calculated and to the degree of what she knew everything, I, I don't know. But I don't think she was completely blinded to the situation at all, which is, like, really troubling to think about. But ultimately, I don't know. And then I personally, like, do you do you believe that Tom has dementia? And do you believe all those things about him? I, I mean, I think he could have dementia. I don't think it had anything to do with why he would have committed these crimes or stolen yeah. from I mean maybe it's how it all caught up with him because he was able to manage it before by you know taking money to pay off other people and borrowing and maybe it all caught up but yeah I don't buy that that's what led him to do all of this yeah I totally agree I just I think that the hardest thing is I think Tom and Erica are both calculated. So some mm-hmm. of these, I mean, obviously a lot of her stories don't make any sense. Um, but even like, I mean, the pictures that were recently released of him and like that video where someone like caught up with him in a parking lot, he looks like it. When I saw how he actually looked, I was like, I, I don't think there's any way you, you can't fake that. I mean, he right. looks awful. And granted, I mean, I can imagine the stress of, having losing your you know being disbarred and kind of everything being outed I mean that can age somebody and that can cause you know health issues for sure but I don't know I just kind of go back and forth because I don't know what to believe because I think they're very smart I think they're very calculated um they're both powerful connected people so I don't know. It's just hard because I, I truly, I truly don't know what to believe. I go, I, I go back and forth. Like, and I saw the video of Tom, I thought, Oh my gosh, like he looks awful. Like if as a healthcare provider, if I saw him before and after in that time frame, I would be like, Oh my God, he is really going through something, whether it be mental, physical, but at the same time, then you think of all these like victims and all these families and all these people's lives who were negatively impacted him. And it's like you kind of lose that sense of compassion. But I don't know. I, I really have gone back and forth about this situation. But Erica, 
I, how do you believe these stories? They're from this so season? crazy. And that what we know from Tom is that he started doing this stuff as early as 2010, if not before. And so while I know, like, I'm not as familiar with the progression of dementia or Alzheimer's, but, you know, the timeline doesn't add up. Like, he was doing this before there was any anything going on with that. And so, you know, multiple things can be true at once. He could be someone who steals his clients' money and takes, you know, money from others that he doesn't pay back. And he could also be suffering from dementia, you know? For so. sure. Oh, it's so wild. It's so interesting because it's so it's so almost fun, not fun. It's enjoyable to watch because it's like very real life drama. We're seeing it play out in the press. We're seeing it play out on Bravo. But then at the same time, I sometimes feel like yucky, like listening to it and learning about it and reading about it because of course, like Bravo drama can be like light and like fun and like funny to recap and funny to talk about. But then like when you watch these like documentaries and you see like the awful impact it's had on like so many people, it's almost like, how am I, how am I finding joy in watching this? It feels a little yucky. Um, but yeah. I'm so interested to see what Erica says at the reunion. Oh my the four God. Part reunion. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't feel yucky at all. I'm like, I want to know more. <laughs> well, I just feel yucky kind of because like, I, I thought Erica was such a good housewife. Granted, did she really like lay it out on, on the table? No, I love an over-the-top housewife. I love a housewife that will bring glam with her on every trip. The closets busting at the seams with designer clothes. Like, I just love what she brought to the show. I just think Beverly Hills does it like no other. Like, no other franchise is like them. The money, the fame. I just, that's why I love it so much. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I was like such a supporter of her. And now I'm kind of like, I hate when this happens. I hate when I love a housewife, they do something that's not good. And I'm like, well, now I can't support you. And now when I look at old episodes, I'm going to think of you differently. Yeah, it was definitely fun when she first came on. And it was this whole like Erica Jane versus Erica Girardi. It was the glitz, the glamour. But then that's not an entire personality. And so after multiple seasons of it, it was like, well, I want to know more about you. And when she shared about her her childhood and her mom, I still felt like I wasn't getting to know anything about her. There was like no there there. And yeah, I just feel like she's kind of been coasting and not really sharing much of her personal life. And maybe it's because Tom didn't want to be filmed. And I know her son is has a private life. But Mm. I don't know, you got to give us something, you know, and and some real emotion. And I don't think she's done that until this season. I agree. I think honestly, though, Beverly Hills as a whole, they don't, they're a calculated cast for sure. Very. They never go. I mean, there's obviously some deep things like obviously like Kyle and Kim, like their whole relationship in earlier seasons. But if you think of recent seasons, there's not really a whole lot of like deep, deep storylines coming out. I feel like their franchise is more about like the superficial glitz, glam, money which, like, I'm fine watching. But I think other franchises go a little bit deeper in their storylines, for sure. Um, like, I feel like New Jersey consistently is very, like, they go in really deep, and it's, like, a lot of family ties and things of that sort. 
So I feel like we sort of know what we're getting with Beverly Hills, but I feel like that's why this season's different because we are seeing this like really intimate side of Erica, like what you said. We haven't really seen that before. Um, even to like see her cry on camera, she's cried more times in the past couple episodes than she has in the past couple of years on camera. Um, so it's just so it's just so interesting to watch. Yeah, and to see her anger, because that's what I feel like is the most authentic emotion from her. Like when she's mm-hmm. angry, she's really angry. And it's just interesting to me that where she focuses her anger, and it's not on Tom, and who's the person that put her in this situation. And it's mm-hmm. not on herself, necessarily, who it's like, I almost would be mad at myself if I was her. Like, I let myself get into this transactional marriage, and I expected to come out of it with something and stupid me like (laughs) for like doing that I do think though I mean I just think even from some of the behaviors I think it's calculated and I think ultimately she's I don't know to what degree but I suspect that she is protecting Tom to a degree and Mm -hmm. I think a lot of her responses have been rehearsed and they're calculated to I think that they're, I ultimately think that they are using the housewives as kind of like a platform to make a certain narrative for Tom. To mount a defense. That's exactly, yes. so you, you, you buy into the Sutton idea that she is colluding with his lawyers a bit. I, I do. I think like if I was her and I was married to this person for decades and I found out all this information, I would be pissed and I would be hurt I would be mad I'd be doing whatever I could to expose him I just really don't I don't I don't see that for her but everyone everyone acts differently but I I feel like it's quite calculated um I I do I kind of agree with Sutton on that and are you shocked by how Sutton started this season uh to where she is now like is there anything that stands out yeah, honestly. So I loved her last season. I thought I was like, I don't know how she's not a full time housewife. I did not enjoy her at the beginning of the season. She was like crying every episode, very emotional, not very rational. However, through the progression of the season, I've definitely I think she's gotten better as the season's really gone on. I think her and Garcelle consistently ask the questions that I mean, everyone talks about this, but they consistently ask the questions that like all the viewers want to know the answer. And again, I think a lot of the Beverly Hills cast, even though I love them, is very calculated and will protect one another. And I feel like Garcelle and Sutton just being these like newcomers, like really don't aren't aren't like they're not really into that. And I love that because I think if Garcelle and Sutton weren't on the cast, this would be a very, very different season. I don't think that Erica would be forced to talk about these things because like we talked about earlier, I think a lot of the housewives are just scared of her. Um, for whatever reason it may be, um, they just are afraid to speak up against her. And like, obviously, I'm a huge Lisa Rinna fan, but like, she's the most guilty of that. And I'll say that she is, she's, I mean, it's her friend. She's protecting her friend. But, you know, for someone who holds a lot of other people accountable, I don't really think she's doing the same for Erica. And like, this is the time to hold someone accountable. Like, this is a very real problem. But back to the question about Sutton, I think progressively throughout the season she's gotten much better is she a little over the top is she a little dramatic yeah but that's the perfect you know perfect housewife um so i think she's doing a great job and definitely earned her spot as a full-time housewife totally and i you know she filmed i think as a friend of 
And so that's why we don't have any personal scenes of her really at her house much or with her boyfriend. We had that one scene with her daughter. I'm hoping that next season we'll get to know more about her because she'll be able to be filming as a full-time housewife, you know? Yeah, wasn't there, like, an issue with her husband or something? Or her Her ex-husband, sorry. Yeah, Yeah. he didn't want... So they have three children, and he didn't want them to be on the show. And so when she had signed her contract, it was to show her whole life, including her Mm -hmm. kids, and then she couldn't, so they had to demote her. But one of her children turned 18, so that, you know, the daughter could sign the release, and so that's how that happened. Um, but Got she didn't it. film as full time, but she was just so integral to the story and all of her. She, feel, she feels full time, basically. Yeah, she is. So and then final thoughts on like Crystal as a another newbie and how she did this season. It was a crazy season to join. I thought I I think she's such a great addition. Again, I talked about this. I love when they have housewives who are famous or have like star power outside of the franchise and like i was a lion king addict as a, a kiddo oh so God, i'm it. like oh my <laughs> so gosh good. i'm like these i like it's my chat like you know lion king and disney is my favorite when i was a kid and housewives is my favorite thing as a adult so it's like my two worlds colliding i think she is so fabulous i think she's the perfect addition the only thing is i wish i think because the erica storyline is like such a pertinent like part of this entire season it's kind of getting the entire focus and Garcelle you know and Sutton are really driving kind of the questioning of like what's actually happening I think there's like the past couple of episodes I've realized that Crystal is just like a little bit she's like a little bit kind of in the back kind of more observing which like is totally fine um but I just wish we saw like a little bit more from her in terms of just like kind of engaging a little bit more chatting a little bit more how I think she, like she had more of a presence at the beginning of the season, but I just think ultimately the the end of the season or kind of where we are now is just kind of shifting more toward Erica, which like obviously, but I mean like her housekeeper and her banter so funny. Her talking with Kyle about how they were initially thinking of a million dollars, but cut down to five figures for their basement remodel. I was like, this is what we need from the housewives. Her $100,000 handbag just like sitting on her counter. I was like, this is what this is what we need in Beverly Hills. And I think she's super refreshing. I think she is great because even though she's a first season housewife, like she is asking questions to hold people accountable. And like her and Sutton, I didn't really understand their whole like, situation over like Sutton accidentally walking into the room excuse me when Crystal you know was getting dressed or whatever I thought that was kind of a weird storyline as well but ultimately I think she's a fantastic addition and I'm hoping like season two we get to see you know more of her and her husband more of like him more of them on like the side of like him being a director her being kind of in that lifestyle because I think that's a we really haven't had a housewife like that in quite some time. And I just really enjoy kind of seeing the behind the scenes of like Hollywood and LA and all that stuff. So I hope we get a little bit more of that next season, but I think she's been a great addition to the franchise for sure. I agree. I'm a huge crystal fan. I think that, um, it would be hard as any new housewife to come in this season with what was going on. And, 
I've listened to interviews with her, and I really think she was coming at the Erica situation, really focusing heavily on the dementia storyline as someone who had a father who had Alzheimer's and was very involved with him through that process. So now that I heard that from her, I'm like, oh, that definitely colors how you would see something, especially in those first few months of 2021, before even more information had come out. So... Yeah, I definitely um, enjoy her. And I loved watching her on the paddleboard do yoga with Lisa Rinna. I (laughs) was just laughing when her and Garcelle were joking around. And Garcelle's like, have you ever been with a woman? And and then they were joking about the word violate. Oh, that's violating. I was like, okay, this is this is fun because I love housewives that can joke about things and move past them. And she definitely seems someone that can do that, you know? And something I really love about her is she is like so, I feel like she's so effortlessly effortlessly just beautiful and glamorous. And I just love how she like is this, like her husband is so famous and they are like so wealthy, but she is like so down to earth still. And it's so funny. I just like love hearing her in her confessionals. She's like, yeah, like she's just very nonchalant. And I think that she doesn't take herself too seriously. And like you said, I love a housewife who like, she was like, I'll, I'll get in the pool and get my hair wet. Like, I don't care. Everyone else is like, I'm getting a blowout. I'm doing my makeup. And she just, you know, isn't afraid to, you know, do things. And I think that's the perfect housewife, someone who is so fabulous, but also very down to earth and relatable. And I just, I can't think of anyone who's really been like that in a long time. So I think she's really refreshing. Um, and like, honestly, her hair, I feel like I just stare at her hair all the time. I know. It's, just it's always beautiful. so perfect. It reminds me of like Emily Simpson's hair on the OC. She has like Mm. perfect hair, you know, just like voluptuous and like wavy and it's just so pretty. (laughs) It's so perfect. And like, I think it's really interesting just like, you know, her talking about like her up, her like up. Oh my god, I can't. I'm sorry, I'm delirious. Um, from Black and Sleep, just like her growing up, her upbringing, like yeah, yeah, her upbringing, and like, like you said, sharing her story about you know her father and his you know battle with um, Alzheimer's or dementia. And I don't know, I just, I just, I'm obsessed with her, and I would be devastated if she doesn't come back um, next season. But it sounds like she probably will come back. I feel like they all could come back. I don't even know if they need to change the cast necessarily. I'm like, please keep them. Yeah, I'm. Maybe I could see letting Lisa Rinna go. I know no! she's a favorite of yours, <laughs> but then would Erica be able to stay? Because I feel like if we could get into a situation where Dorit and Kyle are honest with Erica about their feelings, that would be something to watch. And I'm that's what I'm looking forward to on the reunion, hopefully. And that would definitely change the dynamics going into another season. Did you see the headline that, um, I don't know where I read this, and I'm not sure if it's accurate or not, but I was reading that Andy and Erica were like screaming at each other during the reunion. (laughs) I can't really see Andy's screaming. I can't either. I don't see him. But do you, if if that's true, like what, what do you think was kind of the basis of that? I think she would be snarky to him about the questions he asked, and then he'd be like, I mean, what you're saying doesn't make sense. And then her saying it louder, you know, and then kind of a back and forth, like, 
she's such a narcissist. I feel like she probably was in a fit of like narcissistic rage and he's just frustrated because I I heard the filming went on and on and on. And I could imagine him hitting a breaking point after filming for like 14, 16 hours. Be like, just say it. (laughs) Say what Mm -hmm. you need to say. Well, do you, I think it was last season. It was either last season or the season before, but do you remember that um, reunion for Beverly Hills when she was wicked cold? Like, barely would look at him, barely answer questions, and I remember watching that reunion, and I was like, this so awkward. This was hard to watch because she was just so cold to him. So I'm wondering if it's going to kind of be like that in terms of, is she just being really short and he's kind of like demanding answers or is he asking questions that maybe she wasn't like prepped on? So I'm very excited to see how that plays out in four parts. That's like, that's like almost, that's like a quarter of some housewives seasons. <laughs> oh, it's, I'm so ready for it. Yeah. I don't know. It's, she said, um, so I think it was a couple years ago at the reunion when she was really cold that she was either having a migraine or something mm. else was going on that she wasn't feeling well. But to see someone be that cold is really dark, in my, in my opinion. I just, if that's your go-to when you're not fe- like feeling good, it, it doesn't matter. I, there's something, PK was right. She is not deliberately cold. She's inherently cold. PK is not wrong. PK is not wrong. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for joining. Tell everyone where they can find your Instagram page that I'm sure they already follow. At Baby Ben Cohen. And it's not (laughs) actually Baby Ben Cohen. It's Ashley. (laughs) Come follow. Be sure to follow Ashley. And, you know, remember, be kind to healthcare workers. They're going through a lot. Yeah, please be nice, especially in the DMs. Yeah, no need, no need to uh, to be rude to to anyone in DMs, regardless of what you think. You know, yeah. I'm sure Erica's receiving a lot of hate too, and I don't think that that's. People need to find a way to direct their frustration that is not to other human beings. <laughs> Bravo's supposed to be fun, okay? Yeah, people? let's keep it fun. Let's keep it light, and let's keep it fun. Totally. Well, thank you so much. Thank you.